0: 2019 we're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or spider which is the proxy for the S&P 500 ladies and gentlemen today was a day where the market was simply void of a bid there were no buyers there was no buy the dip crowd until very late in the day it was a creep lower all day long this was a big heavy down day it was a gap and go and this is the result of having put the Top in, we got below the critical level, and whether anyone believes the critical level was my level or somebody else's critical level, it doesn't really matter. The market took back two months of gains in basically four trading days. Where does that come from? If you go all the way back here, this is the 5th of June. So we have June and July. Today's August 5. So here we are. We hit that number today somewhere in and around where Price was on June 5th, and that's where we found some semblance of intraday support. Not that we went back to June 5th, Because we were going back to June 5th. Not that we knew that was the destination. But I find it interesting how we actually paid a visit to price from a day exactly 60 days ago. Anybody who is a student of cycles in the market will understand that has importance. It's interesting. It's fascinating. You can't see it coming before the fact. Nobody knew on close on Friday... That's where we would find a low today. It's just fascinating how that happens. 60 is an important number in the world of cycles. There's no doubt about it. It was a thrashing today, four-barrel shotgun, the whole nine yards. The S&P 500 was down more than 100 at one point during the day. We have the Fed, we have China, we have tweets, we have a trade war. We have the perfect recipe for a small bucket full of excuses why the market's coming down. Doesn't matter what the excuse or the reason is. Makes no difference. The only question we need to know is, where's it going? How long is it going to take to get there? And when is the final low going to occur? Let's try and unpack some of that. We're looking at a daily chart, and I'm here to tell you without a shadow of a doubt... At present, and we don't necessarily know the path that it will take to get there, the spider is on its way to roughly 275. It's going to test the lows that occurred on June 3rd. Whether it spikes through it and makes a lower low, or it comes up slightly short at first, either way, we're coming down to the lows. Now keep in mind, you're going to have big swings in both directions. That always happens. We always talk about that when we go through the corrective phases of the market. So we can expect big swings in both directions, which means we may see one heck of a rally long before we get to 275 or price can just drop right to 275. You don't know exactly how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. But from where I sit, it's likely to happen. Is that likely to be the final low? Not necessarily. We'll get back to that in a moment, but just to magnify the types of movement that the market has when we get into these phases of expanded volatility, the low today was below 282, and we made a high after that low of 284.79. Just to put that in perspective, you're talking about a quick 25 or 30 S&P handles in a blink. That's what we're talking about when we discuss large swings in both directions. They're seen on intraday short-term charts. They're seen on the hourly charts. They're seen on interim charts like the 120 and the 240. And they're seen on the daily charts. Big swings in both directions. Just as a refresher, we took a look at the weekly chart in the weekend video. We had a reversal week. They wiped out. Four or five weeks of the last grind higher that the market experienced. And here we are already down inside of this big breakup candle. So that's why I wanted to repoint this out. Let's talk about this big breakup candle. A little fake out real quick. One more thing I wanted to mention on the short term or intraday SPY chart. Focus on the 287. That's the horizontal trend line in pink or Fuchsia or whatever color that is in the weekend video I said where is the market going if we have a gap down on Monday and we discussed 287 and we said give or take it's interesting that the market actually did stop at 287 initially you can see how it fought 287 all the way up until about 1130 in the morning when it gave up the ghost so 287 was at least for a short period of time An assemblance of intraday support, but the market or the selling was so strong, so vicious that they just couldn't hold 287. They gave up the ghost all the way down below 282. Let's get back to the longer term picture. We're just going to pick a spot and we're going to say around 275. Just so happens we landed on 275.29. No rhyme, no reason. But of course, because I have a severe case of OCD, I already had to change it to 275. We don't need this other line. I just wanted to show that for informational purposes as it related to the 287 we talked about just a couple of days ago. But let's focus on the 275, go back to the weekly chart. Now you see 275 probably has some meaning. Think about it like this. It's around the low of a breakup candle low. It's around the same spot as the 100-period moving average that the weekly chart hasn't paid a visit to since February of this year. This is February 1, the week ending February 1, 2019. We took off above the 100-week moving average, haven't been there since. So we have 275, around two pretty critical areas. Could we expect to see... If we saw the market down in that 275 neighborhood in short order, could we expect to see some semblance of some support? And I would suggest, yes, we should. Now, if we come close and rally away from it and come back down, that would be a different case. I'm giving you what happens in the near term. We'll obviously continue to talk about it every single day but you need to know this extreme because i think it would be extremely important. Maybe the market comes down to 273, 273 and a half, whatever it is, but you should expect some kind of a snapback around 275 or slightly below. Back to the daily chart, obviously the trend is now down. How quickly that changes. But remember, we still will see large swings in both directions. What's the bogey on the upside? What would need to happen for the market to stage more than just a dead cap bounce, a quick short covering rally? What would need to happen for the market to actually stage a lasting rally after this debacle? At minimum, you have to get over today's high and you have to close back above today's high. You got to take back a huge portion of this move. And that doesn't even take back the whole move. Because we had a gap down. So that's just for starters, and that's a tall order. That's way above 288. The trend is down. We're now in a sell the rip market, not a buy the dip market. We've been here before. It's the same routine. We also don't even need 295.48 anymore. We don't need anything anymore. What we're doing now is identifying and looking for the next major areas of support on the downside. The next major area for me is 275. Not to say the market can't or won't bounce or stage some kind of a rally before it gets to 275. For me, 275 is a big zone. Over in Camp IWM, look how fast and how accelerated we got to that same general area We just discussed, here's the 3rd of June low, and all of a sudden, we're already home. Put it in perspective one more time. This is the same thing we just got finished discussing in the SPY, and when you flip over to Camp IWM, you're already at that same price earlier today. The IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator, both in the up and the downward direction. We had the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew out in full force last week, trying to spike to new highs above that trend line. And what an epic failure from 159 to 146 in four trading sessions. This, my friends, was the reason why the Fed was lowering interest rates at all-time highs in the market, because things weren't as they seemed to be. Certainly, China or trade wars and all that stuff was definitely a spark, but there were other issues under the covers, under the hood of the market. We had conspiracy theory one, we had conspiracy theory two. They haven't even come to fruition yet. We really don't even know yet what the real underlying issues are in terms of the financial system or the economy or whatever else they're going to want to pin it to. It doesn't really matter. All we need is the charts, we need price, we need time, that's all we need. The rest of the stuff, they can fill in the blanks however they want. We'll be looking for a low in due time. It's not here yet. The party just got started. So in terms of the IWM, if in fact the SPY would find itself visiting the same like level from early June that we just discussed, where would that put the IWM at the same point in time? The short answer is lower. The longer answer is you have to go to the weekly chart and you see what's going on here. Once these lows are breached, the eyes get full-on target to the 200-period moving average. Maybe we get there, maybe we don't, but the odds would favor the 200-period moving average with a weekly close. Remember, this isn't a daily. This is a weekly close below these pivot lows down here. This pivot low, for argument's sake, is 145.33. So we're going to say a solid close below 145 on the week brings us pretty quickly down to 139. In fact, it may all happen in one fell swoop. In the big scheme of things, it's not that far away. The question will become, Will we test these lows or even potentially make lower lows? You can see what's going on here. We talked about this dozens and dozens of times. This trend line, the market was now once again rejected at that trend line. It's not my trend line. It's not your trend line. It's the market's trend line. The market draws these trend lines by virtue of stopping at certain price levels. That's how trend lines are created. And no. They're not all created equal. Remember the channel in the transportation index? Remember how somebody crashed into the transportation department? We don't need the trend line anymore. It served its purpose. The only reason that we needed it was if we were going to rally back to test the underside of the trend line before falling away from it. They didn't even give you the chance. It was a gap and go. We're also notice in the transports also in the same type of position as the IWM significantly farther ahead than you'll find in the SPY and the Dow and even the NASDAQ for that matter. Why is that? These are leading indicators. These are leading market indicators. These are my two favorite leading market indicators. This is why. This is why I don't use the RSI, I don't use the Bollinger Bands, I don't use the MACD, I don't use macaroni and cheese, I don't use any of that stuff. They're all lagging indicators, I know what the market did, I don't need a lagging indicator to tell me. For those of you that do use them, if they work for you, that's fine, continue to use them. The real underlying issue is, they appear to work sometimes, and we've done this exercise before, so I'll make it quick. So let's take an RSI for argument's sake. So whatever reading you want to believe is a negative reading on the RSI, all of a sudden you get the reading. You say the market should do X, Y, and Z because of this in the RSI. The market does X, Y, and Z, and you immediately assume the cause and effect. It had to be because of the RSI. How come the RSI couldn't be a coincidence? how come the RSI didn't work when it was at the same reading last time? And when you bring up a question like that to somebody that follows the RSI, they have a different reason why it didn't work. The reality is those things work about 50% of the time like most everything else. So half the time, it appears they work. Half isn't good enough. How about the weekly chart of the transports? Same routine as the IWM. You'll notice how both charts look eerily similar, and also different from the other markets. So we have the high, a lower high, another lower high. Here it comes, way below the moving averages now. This is the weekly chart, and you're staring right in the face of the 200-week moving average coming down to make an attempt to either test or potentially break these lows down here. Keep in mind, when I talk about this and we look at weekly charts, We're not talking about tomorrow. The market is going to have large swings in both directions. In the meantime, there will be points in time when it looks like everything is fine. Everything is fixed. I missed the boat. We're going to make new highs. And then they'll hit it again. That's the way it works. That's the job of the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. The cues here's the weekly chart. We'll flip over to the daily and we'll start there. And you can see it looks like all the rest. This was a thrashing. It was a woodshed day. There were no buyers. Stocks had a real down day as opposed to just being down a dollar or so, 50 cents, 1%. There were some real big down move in some of the names we know. Look at this, just for argument's sake. We have a discussion about advanced decline lines, 90% down days, all kinds of things like that come out of the technical analysis community. They're fine, they're all valid. I have my own indicator. Obviously, I have the email indicator, but I have my own set of stocks. So on this list is about 440 or so stocks. Out of 440, 15 were green. I don't need any fancy indicator To tell me what's going on, I have my own stuff. I can look at Amazon down almost 4% right into its 200-day moving average. Is that it for Amazon, or is there more downside? Much of that will depend on the major market and what the S&P and the Dow and the NASDAQ are doing. Amazon can certainly trade on its own, but the likely story is all these stocks that we're going to look at right now are going to follow suit with the market. Apple down almost 6%. That's a real down day. Think about this for learning purposes. Let's take Apple for a second and go back four or five trading sessions. Apple was above all the moving averages, grinding higher, nothing wrong. We looked at the reversal day when it happened. We talked about the reversal day. We know what to do with the reversal day. In the course, we teach exactly how to trade reversal days and the fact that they're good because we know where we're wrong. We're able to take a trade on a reversal, whether it's on the downside or the upside. We're able to take a trade against the high. We know where we're wrong. So in the case of Apple, look where it was, look where it is now, and here's the point. Look at what the media was saying before the reversal day. Everybody was piling into Apple. They piled in on earnings, Apple reversed, and the rest is history. Here's the issue. How many people bought in at 205, 210, 215, even 220. There had to be buyers up at 220, otherwise it wouldn't have been up there. $27 and a week removed from 220, and there are some upset campers out there. Escalator up, elevator down. It happens over and over and over again. They wipe out months of gain in one fell swoop. Facebook down four and a half bucks was over 205 a couple of weeks ago. There's a gap, 177.47 is I think the exact number of the gap. 177.47 filled another gap today, there's another one below. It has lower to go as long as there are a bunch of sellers conducting what we call institutional distribution. Most of the charts look similar or the same to each other in terms of today's activity Down 3, 4, 5, 6, 7% in some cases. What about volume? Jumping back to the spider for a second, we neglected, I neglected, to discuss volume. 175 million shares today. That's big volume. The question is, is that capitulation volume? And the answer is, no, it's not. That's more like capitulation volume. 250 million shares back in December of 2018. Make no mistakes, this was a big down day. But it was not a throw-up day where it was capitulation selling. What does that tell me? Tells me there's more selling ahead. Remember the XLF making a stop down at the financial district? We talked about it on the weekend video. They made an effort to close above. They did close above 27.47. That's a number we were eyeballing for a long, long time. But they gave up the ghost and gapped down like everything else. And look where we are. All of a sudden, not so bullish. It's bearish lower prices ahead there's a gap down here but there's lower to go than that it's unlikely folks that this is a week-long correction it's likely it's going to last at least through august if not into september again you'll have big swings in both directions but until we find final low it's likely going to be a while smh same routine We talked about this one in particular in the weekend video. Why? Because we noticed that it was ahead of the Qs. And the SMH, or the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, the semis, is a good leading indicator of the tech sector. It was leading the market or the tech sector lower. It was ahead of the curve, similar to the IWM against the Spider. similar set of circumstances. Here's something we don't normally look at, but I think it's worth a look today. Look at emerging markets. What's that telling you? We've already surpassed the low. That low is from the May 23rd area, I believe. Yeah, May 23rd, the low was 39.75. We closed at 39 today. Let's go to a weekly chart. This is ugly. The first thing that jumps out at me is this big move down. And then we essentially have a bear flag pattern, a bearish wedge pattern. That's drawn really, really poorly. But if we go over to another chart, we may see something a little bit better. Look at this monthly chart, and look what's happening now. So we had a down move, and we basically had a big monthly bear flag pattern in the EEM. It's breaking to the downside. Where is it going? First order of business is in this general vicinity of these lows here. Here's a breakup candle. The low is 3530. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 3550 to 35. If we break down below these lows here and this low is 3758, if we break down below 3758, hello 35 in the EEM. And we're not talking about the EEM in particular because you should short it or wait to be long the EEM. We're using it for the lesson on the chart. It's a good lesson in a market that's leading to the downside. About the bond market. Remember in the weekend video, we discussed TLT. I said the next order of business was 137.50. They gapped above 137.50, so they didn't even consider 137 as any kind of overhead resistance, and we're headed to 140, 141. This is the opposite of the yield market, and when you look at yields and we look at the 10-year yield, you see where the 10-year yield is. It's collapsed. We're not quite at the same level we were in 2008, but we're not that far away. Here's a monthly chart. The Fed was lowering interest rates at a market or stock market all-time high. It didn't make any sense. The bond market was driving rates lower at the same time, signaling something different. Are we going to actually get to the 2008 lows in yields? It's possible. Why not? Remember, 111.50, 112. I hate to keep doing that. Actually, I don't. I'd love to keep doing that. I'm allowed a little pat on the back every now and again. Unfortunately... I didn't own it all the way up to 138, but nevertheless, one heck of a call. You think we're a little far extended away from home base on the monthly chart? I would say so, but this isn't the type of freight train that you get in front of. You wait for it to put in some kind of a reversal on the daily chart, for example. You'll know it when you see it, and then you have something to trade against. And if you're wrong, what happens? You're wrong small and fast. But we are getting to a short-term extreme in the TLT and there will be a trade in the bond market coming up to a chart near you very, very soon. And with that, I'm going to use this to pull the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.